Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So remember how we talked a couple of weeks ago about our top five leagues from around the world? You were on the show, Dre, for sure. I was, yeah. We've had a couple of interesting follow-up questions in that uh, in a similar vein. Ryan Sifuentes writes, how do you think Spain's top clubs would get on if, let's say, five of them were stuck into the Premier League right now? Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, Sevilla and one other. How would Barcelona do in the Premier League, do you reckon? They would probably win the league. Do you think? Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I don't think that, I'm one of those that thinks that like a top tier Spanish team would struggle in any other league, maybe except France. I think they'd have a tough time in Germany, tough time in Italy, tough time in England, definitely. The sort of couldn't do it on a cold night in Stoke kind of. (laughs) They can't bear the audience, I think. I mean, (laughs) because you actually have people watching games there. They would still play uh, their own games in Spain, right? I would imagine so, yeah. Okay, so they'd probably win the league. No, they wouldn't. Yeah, if you move Real Madrid to Stoke on trend, that would be a problem. <laughs> my, point, my point being that I think that the, like the style of play of Barcelona and Madrid, albeit you know classy as it is, I just I want to cut mustard there in, in England or Germany or like a very different cultural, like a, a different culture and different kind of league. I mean, it's a different. It's 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 very different. I don't think it would cut it at all. They would struggle a lot with the physical. So if we put it the other way around, like take, for instance, Man United in La Liga. They would bully everybody because Spain is like three big teams and that's that. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of, I think there's really good teams in Spain, don't get me wrong. But I think that that those that are not the good ones are really bad. Sevilla knocked down Man United last last season. Well, yeah, this Man United. (laughs) I mean, arguably, I mean, a really good Man United team, I don't think they would be able to muster that one. Honestly, you don't think playing like technical teams each week they would struggle a bit with that? I th- that's my that's my point. I think that tactically it would be very very difficult for them. I think uh, that the pace is very different in in England than it is in Spain, uh, and I think that in the end, like over a thirty eight game season, they would have a really hard time coping with that. Plus the Champions League, plus the cup, plus the other cup. So mm. I don't think it would be that easy. Well, uh, Patrick Conway has asked a similar question. He says. Recently, I heard a pundit forecast that PSG could one day join the Premier League. Given the multiple transport links, it does seem plausible. If and when this happens, how do you think PSG would fare in the Premier League? Why are you only asking me? He's a plausible. I'm asking everyone. Phil's not interested in this. I'm a keen listener right now. <laughs> but you know, I think it's, you can't really debate this seriously because there's so many factors that go into so many different things. But at the end of the day, if you're playing Neymar, Cavani and Mbappe against... You know, Callum Chambers, <laughs> Dennis Adoy, and Tim Ream, you know, it's going to be a bit of a mess. Yeah. But, you know, I think going back to the Spanish one, I just think it's going to turn the top four into a top eight. I don't think Barcelona would struggle, but obviously there's more competition. So, mm. you know, I just think it would raise the standard. I don't think, obviously, Liverpool could tear apart Barcelona, but Atleti would stifle them. So, you know, it's it's just how they play different yeah. different circumstances I guess well the old debate was always how would Rangers and Celtic get on in the Premier League oh, I think they're there are probably still Celtic, <laughs> Celtic fans who think they would like push for the title aren't they maybe 10 years ago but not today <laughs> yeah. definitely Anyway, welcome to this uh, week's episode of the One Football Podcast. I'm Dan Burke. Joining me today is Phil Costa. Hello. Daniel Cadana Jordan. And Andre Gonsalves. Hi. If you'd like to contribute to the show like Ryan and Patrick have done this week, we'd love you to do so. The email address to send your, podca- uh, send your questions to even is podcast at onefootball.com. And we'd be very happy if you would head over to iTunes, give us a rating and help us scale those charts. And um, we're going to start today by looking back at Sunday's astonishing El Clasico. Barcelona, of course, won 5-1, a result which saw Julian Lopetegui sacked by Real Madrid after just four months in charge. 
I know it was a bit of a dire situation, but Danny, were you at all surprised that they decided to get rid of him this week when there had been talk before the game that he perhaps wouldn't be sacked regardless of the result of that game? Well, it's kind of a lie. I mean, in the end... I heard uh, he was going to get till Christmas, whatever happened. I don't. I, mean, I think that was the plan initially. <laughs> was, like He had like a six-month sort of like tenure mm. guaranteed, sort of. But uh, I think the team just imploded at some point. And, uh, well, obviously, it's a lot... Uh, the cliche, it's easier to fire one guy than 25, right? So, uh, yeah, I mean, they did lose to Levante. They did struggle against Victoria Pilsen. And now they have, you know, a Clásico 5-1 defeat, mm. which, I mean, arguably, after a five-game you know, stretch with, a five game stretch without winning... It's kind of hard to justify that with the budget and the players Madrid has, I think. Mm -hmm. So I'm shocked I'm not, but of course it's, it's you know, uh, it's not surprising for Madrid, is it either? I mean, they, yeah. they do have a history of this. Dre, why did it go so tits up for Lopetegui? Uh, first of all, I don't think Lopetegui has what it takes to manage a top club, any top club. Um, and besides that, the way they um, projected the whole season was a... a beautiful disaster they sold a guy who scored an average of 50 something goals per season they didn't get anyone uh, except for Mariano which is a again a lovely player but he's still far away from being the problem solver that um, Real Madrid needed and there was a lack of uh, coaching skills since the very beginning of the season we we saw that against big teams and also against uh, some minor teams it was, it was just I remember then the, the moment he was appointed we, we had the, the podcast right here and I was I was kindly shocked with, mm. the, with the appointment because it's, it's, it's incredible after the, the, what, what he did or it didn't do at Porto with the most expensive uh, team ever in Portugal and he managed somehow to go through two seasons without playing any decent football uh, and it didn't didn't win anything in Portugal and then it was promoted to the Spanish national team um, which is probably the team with the more solutions in the world besides France when it comes to quality uh, position by position and um, the the way things went south with Rubiales and the way uh, they decided to sack the manager one day before the start of the World Cup because he was moving again <laughs> to a promotion <laughs> to become Real Madrid manager. This this all sounds like fantasy talk to me. <laughs> it's it's insane. Football manager couldn't produce this. <laughs> Madrid president Florentino Perez has now sacked 13 coaches in 16 years. <laughs> Ridiculous, isn't it? Manchester City levels of Manchester City in the 90 levels. September is actually, yeah. Earlier this week, Cristiano Ronaldo suggested Perez is the reason he left the club this summer. Phil, do you think Perez is becoming a bit of a problem for them? I don't really think he knows what he wants. Every time there's a, a signing made or a manager appointed, you, you don't see the plan, you don't see the vision really which is I understand Real Madrid are a, a unique case because at the end of the day they're still going to be you know they are arguably the biggest club in the world and they're always going to be challenging but what what Dre said is how can you not replace Cristiano Ronaldo when you sell him because um, we're not talking about a club who doesn't have funds to do yeah, it yeah exactly. exactly that's not we're, the point I mean, we're talking about a rich club money I mean, isn't the issue exactly at all mm -hmm. so I mean, that's why it's so weird um, and uh, 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 it was funny because uh, Lopetegui's dad 
<laughs> said something to the media right after uh, his son got sacked that, oh, it's not Lopetegui's fault. They stole 50 goals from my son. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, well, arguably he's kind of right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I still don't get why you're going to talk to um, someone's father about, the, about his job, but still it was a funny way. Yeah, 45-year-old yeah. guy father. <laughs> exactly. I love that, yeah. Yeah. So where do they go from here? Then it's not going to be Antonio Conte by the looks of things. Is it? So it's a really good question. Uh, I mean, the the biggest name linked right now is Roberto Martinez, the guy from, uh, <laughs> from Belgium. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, wow. chuckles the, the, in the audience. Uh, absolute yeah. madness. It is madness. So that kind of gives you a picture of everything that's kind of going on. I mean, because every other big name in the game is arguably taken, except maybe Arsene Wenger. Big Wenger. Yeah, the big old, the good old Frenchman. He's uh, not really been mentioned as a, a possible option, though. Has more he? of a joke than anything, because like everyone knows it'd be. Uh, I mean, he is a great coach, and he. But the thing is, I don't think he would click in a team with Madrid, like Madrid. I mean, mm -hmm. Arsenal. He could develop his own plan, and debatably had results ten years ago, uh, or not. And uh, now he has. Uh, of course, he did. But my point being that I don't think that he would be be able to cope with the pressure and the immediate results Real Madrid has to produce right now. Like they need. He's a sort of manager like Klopp, like Pochettino, like many other uh, coaches that need a bit of time. Yeah, it's about uh, the project. It's a project, exactly. Yeah. They, they build thinking mid-term, long-term. Uh, Madrid need short-term. And I can't think of a short-term coach right now that could like, you know, like muster up enough courage to like take over a locker room that Ramos dominates, who is which is arguably a telltale sign of trouble. I mean, he's a very volatile guy. He's uh, You can see it on the pitch. You can see it off the pitch. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a really, they're in a tough position right now. And uh, I really think we're back to those days of Real Madrid just, you know, wondering who's going to be the next guy. I, I think it's, it's honestly, it's time to go all in. Um, if they, 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 they wanted Pochettino some time ago. If you want Pochettino, just go all in, get the guy. I agree. Uh, He's the man it's, for me. Exactly. It's, it's, the, it's the only uh, man I can see taking over the club at the moment. Uh, and at the same time, you know that in, This season, you're not going to see, you cannot expect some fireworks from Real Madrid because in the league, they're going to be far, far away from fighting for the title. Well, I have to wait till like Valencia finally click in, Betis finally kick in, like all the teams that are, you know, struggling a little bit yeah. and have good teams, like actual proper squads. They start playing good football. I mean, that's when you're going to see how vulnerable Real Madrid is compared to like average quality in Spain. Because, so, yeah, I mean, Sevilla is great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Valencia has a really good team, but they're not title contenders. I mean, they're Euro they're Europa League material. They're not Champions League even, I reckon. Uh, none of this league, at least. Uh, so, Even struggling against teams like those, once they kick in, now you're going to realize how dramatic. I mean, we're talking about Madrid maybe missing Europe. I reckon. I mean, it's not that. Uh, it's not going to happen. Maybe not, but you know they're going to. But you know, it's 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 a maybe. It's not they're, a. They're going to somehow find find their way. They're going to end up in the first four places. It's really hard to. You to would miss. expect that. I mean, once the players probably get back into form, arguably. But the yeah, thing it, is, it's really hard to miss Europe the, in a in a league like uh, like the Spanish league. They're definitely beating Atletico on penalties at their own stadium in the Champions League final, aren't they? That's 100 going to happen. <laughs> Santiago Solari's got the job at the moment. They uh, they got back to winning ways on Wednesday night with a 4-0 victory at uh, Melilla in the Copa del Rey up on the Moroccan border there. How, do, how long do you think he's going to get in the, in the gig? Tough to tell. I don't think, well, against Melilla, arguably any of us four could like, coach a 4-0 win. <laughs> so third, I think it's a third division team. Ali will probably listen to this and correct me. With, with I think the, it might be fourth. Third or fourth. I mean, yeah. I think, I think even worse. I mean, third division, which is the fourth tier. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because it's, 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 it's second B and then third. Exactly. Oh, so that's the thing. Yeah. So... Um, 
Uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a hard time. His record in Castilla, the, the you know B squad in Madrid, is not the best. Arguably, Madrid don't have maybe the best prospects as they as you know in Spain. You can find in Spain, but um, I think he would have uh, he would be interesting solution um, if you're actually planning on building upon like your youth prospects and everything. That would be the logical move. But that is not a Real Madrid move, is it? I mean, they're not known for like bringing up of their ranks. They they change. They bring they people, change. but, but they, they have like more. They have more youngsters from the the cantera in, in the club that Barcelona these days well we have Barcelona bought their way back to like a yeah. strong 11 after <laughs> no I, I, I think in, in in Valentino's mind he wants someone who's capable of getting more Spanish kids into into the first team uh, but at the same time the pressure is quite high at that club and they know that they need to keep winning after having Zidane winning three Champions League in four years um, so it's it's a bit of a conflict right here, and uh, it's uh, it's a tough one for Florentino Perez. Are you going for the long term solution, or are you going to go crazy again and get someone to just you know to help help out the team just for another six months? Well, he's a businessman, so I think in the end, he's, it's more about you know uh, who gets more money. <laughs> it's about going on a limb, but going all in to win, not to like oh develop a sustainable model of business that you know will produce a Madrid <laughs> successful Madrid five years out. Of course, he's, he's quite excited with the renovation of the stadium as well, and they they're looking yeah. to get well. He's a builder, so to get to get a loan from the uh, an American bank to make it happen in the future, which is, might be a problem. For, for Real Madrid to sign a, I don't know, Neymar or Azar or someone else. Talking like about this. almost a billion dollar project. I mean, yes, it's, it's pretty it's ambitious. Uh, it's going to produce a lot of revenue, admittedly, but I don't know. It, it seems a bit of like a clusterfuck for them right now, doesn't it? I mean, like they have this huge expense just down the line. They have a squad that they have to rebuild somehow because they just realized, oh, actually, Cristiano was kind of important. Uh, and they don't have a coach. So, yay, Madrid. <laughs> Well, going back to Sunday's game for a minute, Phil, do you think it was a case of Madrid just being really bad or were Barca just irresistible on the day? No, I thought Real Madrid were a shambles in, in defence. <laughs> I mean, I we, say that. we were watching it in the office and I'd barely had time to look up from my laptop before Jordi Alba was already in like three or four times mm. on the left. You know, I just think Ramos was all over the place for Ran. I don't know what's happened to him this season, but he's he's been so unsure of himself. I mean... You have Nacho at right back, which is instantly a, a red flag. I mean, he, he's okay as cover, but I mean, he's no Carver How And even they have Odrozola on the bench, who was just ignored. So, I don't know. The whole defence was, was a mess and no one was helping out. I think for the first goal, you saw Coutinho, Suarez, even Sergio Roberto coming late into the box and Casemiro was you know, 20 yards away. So, Barcelona were good. I think even without Messi... They were always favourites to win that game just mm. on form and, and confidence. But yeah, Madrid really didn't help themselves. Yeah. I was really impressed with Arthur Mello. Do you think Barca have got the new Andres Iniesta there? I don't know if he's Iniesta. I think he's more Shavi. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, I was about yeah. to say that. Uh, I, I know he was branded as that in Brazil, but I mean, he's only been playing professionally for like 18 months, I think, in the, since he got into the, the Gremio side. Um, but he's always looked capable of, of cutting it in in Spain and he's he's settled really quickly I know he hasn't played from the start all the time but I think they they lacked a profile like that in midfield honestly and he's a sort of link man and you know I think he's been a, a really good piece of business for sure mm -hmm. 
What's the mood around Barca at the moment? I mean, they started the season fairly underwhelming fashion, but they're top of the league now. They won the Clasico. They're looking strong in the Champions League. Are they happy with Valverde? Do you think it's going to be a successful season for them? The thing with Valverde is that he's not this, you know, brilliant mind that has this, you know, Cruyff identity, this Guardiola identity. Mm. He's a very pragmatic guy. He wins, but he doesn't win pretty. And uh, that to Barca fans is a bit of, you know, a bit of a punch in the face after, you know, years of, of Guardiola, Luis Enrique and, you know, decent, very, very mm. decent football. Uh, but he's getting results. Uh, the team is in good shape. They're very highly motivated after not winning the Champions League last season, crashing out three quarterfinals in a row. Uh, Messi's been really adamant about the Champions League. We've talked about this before. Um, so I do think that the team is finally kicking into gear. Artur is starting to show, as we're talking now, uh, a lot of promise. Uh, he's shown to be reliable. Um, and, you know, they still have Rakitic around, Messi still around, Suarez is still around. Like, they kept the core and they kept a really good core for that. So, it's a good team. They might still struggle a bit with, like, the bigger teams in Europe at the end, but don't they all, don't don't everybody struggle at the end of the season? I mean, um, it, it's tough. I'd say that in the mind of uh, all Barcelona fans, they're a bit concerned with the fact that the team doesn't um, seem to have a plan B. They have a, a certain style. They yeah. always play the same, the same uh, style. And if that doesn't work, it's a bit of a problem. Because um, Barcelona's football at the moment is a bit predictable. And if you know how to kill some specific kill, not literally. <laughs> yeah, neutralize it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some uh, specific players, um, things can get complicated. And he, he, playing against uh, um, teams like, uh, I don't know, they actually played uh, Cultural. Uh, yeah, you, you saw the B team, and the yeah. B team was really, really worrying. I mean, they won in the minute ninety plus one it from a Lengle, free kick. Right? Yeah, yeah, from a free kick from Lingle. I mean, uh, and Malcolm played, Dembele played, like a lot of the of like the B players are supposed to step it up. You saw nothing there, man. And that's the other thing. It's a really short squad when it comes down to it. Like they have a lot of players, but it, it looks like the, the the players they sign are not exactly um, top shelf solutions. I would say at all. Um, Malcolm was. Uh, Dreadful. Dreadful. And I, I just, I, I can see the potential in the player. I, I cannot see them play for Barca on the long term. And I think uh, they signed him um, without the consent of uh, Ernesto Valverde. Yeah, that's and, and that was he, a rumor, yeah. And that, you uh, can really see that. He doesn't like Malcolm. He no, doesn't. he doesn't like Not him. as a person. I don't know that part. but And uh, now there's also some rumors about Dembele moving away. Uh, what do you make of that? I was going to ask about that, actually. Do you think it's time for Barca to cut the losses? And, and why has it gotten so badly wrong for him there? Well, I think... I think it's a He's kid. quality, isn't he? Yeah, but he's, he's, a, he's not a bad player, he's, but he's a, he's, he's a rebel. I mean, remember the kid. way he left Dortmund. Mm. This is a guy that quit training to force a move out of a team. You're signing a troublemaker. And this is a guy that's willing to go all in and risk everything, even his name, his, his, like his reputation, to force a move. And, well, you find someone, sorry for the word, but dumb enough to pay 140 million for this guy, mm. um, for a 19-year-old, for a promise of talent. I mean, it's sort of like the same situation Madrid found themselves at the time with Bale, uh, that everyone thought that Bale was like the end-all, be-all, next Cristiano sort of thing. Um, and the 97 million euro price tag on the guy kind of waited on him in the end. Uh, and you can see that. Had Bale cost 60 million, maybe, I don't know if expectations would have been as high as they are. Same thing with Dembele, I do think. If Dembele had cost around 60, you'd be saying, okay, he's potentially he's good, he's quality, but he's, it's, it's fine if he's not you know star player. In that yeah, Dembele is, uh, is, is a very interesting player because he, he, he looks on focus like 60% of the time on the pitch and, and suddenly does something It takes beautiful. one, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the kind of player that if you can domesticate that Mustang, you can actually <laughs> turn turn the man into a top 
class player, but it's not happening right now. And I thought at the moment, I thought that Valverde would be the the perfect man to do it, but apparently it's not working. I think he needs a tough boss. He had it with Tuchel in Dortmund. That's why that's the good season we saw from Dembele was that one, right? The guy that could just fly down at one side of the pitch and just dominate and turn a game around for Dortmund single-handedly. Barcelona don't have that tough boss. They have Valverde, who's really good at you know one-to-ones, but he's a guy that definitely is not a keen listener, is he? I mean, someone that goes rogue for to force a move, I insist, isn't supposed to be like a sit-down pep talk kind of guy, is he? Yeah. You'd have done better at Arsenal, though, right? Oh, we've like, we needed a winger for about ten years now. So <laughs> anyone that's fast, just bring them to the Emirates, please. I'm so sick of watching. Oliver Burke, Usain, Usain, Usain Bolt yeah. would be. Yeah, you get Usain, in, yeah I heard he's in the market. Free agent, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to Arsenal in a minute. Um, they've obviously got a big game uh, in the Premier League this weekend. But before we talk about that, I just want to talk about the Premier League game that took place on Monday night. Manchester City returns to the top of the table with a one 0 win away at Spurs. Uh, terrible game though, wasn't it? What did you think of the pitch? Do you think the game should have even been allowed to go ahead on that pitch? I was... don't know how Spurs haven't been punished for this. Yeah, yet. exactly. Yeah. Um, they probably will. I th- yeah, maybe. But I think just how... Look, stuff can go wrong. Uh, contractors can be late. You know, stands might not be finished in time, which is fine. But they promised the council, the FA, the supporters that it would, this stadium would be ready, you know, at the end of September, I think. And... You know, now it's not going to be done before Christmas, which is which is mad. Mm. Um, you know, the, you shouldn't ask Premier League teams to play on a pitch like they did the other day. Obviously, it was a unique circumstance with the the NFL taking place, mm. but that is not a Premier League standard pitch. And I I think it's unfair to make some teams play at Wembley this season, for example, and mm-hmm. others to play at the new stadium because you know Barcelona wouldn't play. Half their half their games at the camp now and and half at the Bernabeu. Mm. So I just think the whole the whole thing has been a shambles. And you know even that chance that Lamella had at the end, you know, on a normal pitch that's in the back of the net. Yeah, but it's just ironic that their own <laughs> yeah. stadium is is conspiring against them. You know, because <laughs> it, it was it was yeah. an awful bubble. And you know that just said it. I think to it was a terrible game, and you could see the players were hesitant with the ball. You know, it it, it wasn't running. I just thought it was a, a shame, really, because usually Spurs and City have some good games. Mm. I've heard a rumour that the stadium might not even be finished before the end of this season and not even for the start of next it season. It wouldn't surprise me, wow. honestly. Apparently it's a, a wiring issue with the security system or something, and mm. it's like thousands of miles of wiring that they've got to go through to find out where the fault is. So, <laughs> absolute shambles. Isn't that say. special? <laughs> but City have now gone 599 minutes without conceding a Premier League goal. Do you think Pep Guardiola is quietly a pretty good defensive coach? I think he's always been really a good what he's known coach. for, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's sturdy at the back. I mean, yeah. Yeah. usually really good up front, and that helps a lot to like release a little relief uh, defense uh, from some from you a lot can, of the weight on the. You cannot, but, uh, uh, you yeah. cannot get to the level of Pep Guardiola got without being incredibly I mean, good at defense. Yeah. Oh no, but his football won't work in the Premier League. That's what everybody's <laughs> saying. <laughs> Passing it out from the back. <laughs> John Stones, get rid of it, mate. 442, yeah. that's all I can. Into the channels. Speaking of 442, 442 magazine voted Guardiola the 2018 best manager in the world this week. Do you think that was deserved? I mean, it's one of it's one of three, basically. I mean, if it's him or Klopp or I don't know who else, maybe Deschamps because he won the World Cup. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't he care. won the official FIFA award, didn't he, Deschamps? Yeah, so. exactly. So, I mean, it's one of those three guys, I basically. I couldn't care less about these awards. Yeah. 
I mean, they're good. Every yeah, time there's a word, we and, and you invite me to, to talk about it. I just, say, I, I just. You don't need that care. little nihilist voice there yeah, saying, yeah. "Oh, this is all dark I only shit." Care when a, I only care when a city player or manager wins it. Otherwise, it's worthless <laughs> to me. Bragging rights, bragging rights. Where do you stand on John Stones, Phil? I think he's brilliant, but I still see people on Twitter all the time saying he's dreadful. Oh yeah, I think he's really good as well. I think when obviously stuff's going to go wrong, you know, when you're when you're playing from the back, there's always a chance that you'll misplace a pass or or a, a midfielder from the opposition press as well and, you know, cut something out. But I think he's really added a, a seniority to his game recently. Um, in the absence of company, for example, he sort of stepped up. And I, I really like how natural his game seems to be. Uh, there's nothing that sort of fazes him. He's always calm. Um, he's improved in the air a lot as well, which was a sort of questionable part to his game you know I, I I think in England there's a there's a lack of patience when it comes to possession football not even possession football but just taking care of the ball mm-hmm. I think there's a, a tendency you see in the lower divisions to just get it over the top or into the channels but at this level these players are like the quality is unbelievable mm. so you, you need to trust these guys the manager does um, and it's worked you, you know you, I think People need to calm down a bit, let him do his thing, and uh, this is the future of England here. This this guy in defence. I mean, there's there's a few other good players like Maguire. You know, Carl Walker sort of did a hybrid centre back role mm. at the World Cup, but this is the guy to build around. And I, I think City made a, a good investment a few years ago, and it'll it'll reap the rewards. Yeah. Before Monday's game, Pochettino dropped the biggest hint yet that he's grown a bit frustrated with the amount of progress Spurs are making on and off the pitch. We mentioned before that perhaps he's not the man for Real Madrid, you know, for their sort of <laughs> philosophy. But do you think Spurs fans should be a bit worried about losing him in the not too distant future? Oh yeah, definitely. I I, I don't know why he wouldn't be the the right man for Real Madrid. I think Pochettino is probably one of the most underrated coaches in the world. Mm. I mean, it's easy to go, what has he won? But Tottenham aren't expected to win anything. You know, so for, for the fact that they're even up there is in such a short time as well. I mean, they've tied down all their players somehow, um, even though they haven't. I mean, they've challenged, but, you know, Harry Kane could easily play in one of the top European sides. Deli Ali, the same. Ericsson, all these guys could easily just step into any side in Europe. Mm. So to tie them down, I think they really believe in Pochettino. But recently he's spoken about, you know, the club not being the best that they want to be that there's no desire for constant improvement Mm -hmm. I think he's a very driven guy and this stadium now the next few years is a big is a big phase for them because if they slowly drop out of this top four it's going to be difficult I mean Mm -hmm. we saw it with Arsenal it's similar they were at the top they had to pay off debts and couldn't compete financially and they just slowly fell down so I think he's keeping them above that threshold anyway so to lose him would be a disaster yeah. and I think there would be a number of teams looking to bring him in I mean if you're Ed Woodward or whoever at Manchester mm-hmm. United surely you're saying to him just let us know when you're ready to yeah. leave Spurs there'll always be a job for you <laughs> I agree we'll, we'll get rid of Mourinho in a heartbeat <laughs> yeah. for you basically I agree yeah <laughs> um, elsewhere in North London uh, we spoke last week about Arsenal's title chances this season uh, Elliot thinks they might have a chance of winning the title uh, I don't know how you feel about that, but if they manage to beat Liverpool this weekend, would you sort of start believing that something's possible? No. No. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> uh, I think Emery's job is to get Arsenal back into the Champions League. And whether that's via winning the Europa League or getting into the top four, that's fine. 
but the title I mean look, City and Liverpool are the two for me the, they're a step ahead um, defensively they're top notch Arsenal have not been so good um, I think it's normal though new coach coming in he's trying something a bit different he's putting a lot of trust in the keepers and the fullbacks and the defenders to to really progress play which is going to take some time because we haven't really done it before um, but defensively we're still waiting to be found out despite the good run that we're on I mean 13 games unbeaten there's no nothing to turn your nose up at but a good team like Liverpool is scaring me this mm. weekend I mean there, there's always goals in Arsenal against Liverpool so no there's no title but I think Arsenal fans are just enjoying something different which is nice because before we used to be everyone below us and lose to everyone above us mm-hmm. so I mean we have done that this season anyway but I think just seeing a, a gradual improvement is is better for Arsenal fans than challenging for the title at, at this moment mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a good game though I think two strong attacks one strong defence one average defence but um, the title is is out of reach for sure yeah. I think if it was at Anfield I would say Liverpool would win oh, quite comfortably yeah, sure. but being at Arsenal it might be a bit more even. why do you think this um, pattern's emerged of Arsenal being good in uh, being bad in the first half and good in the second half lately I'm not quite sure I think he I think Emery's still figuring out his best side the front four especially is a big problem because Lacazette's been playing well but then you're shoehorning one of the best strikers in Europe onto the left when he's still scoring um, but his overall influence is not good enough to be playing on the left he hasn't got the touch or the link play to to do what an Alex Iwobi would do for example Ramsey is just that situation is a whole other issue mm-hmm. I mean he's probably going to leave on a free now mm-hmm. which a couple of years ago you would think would be impossible Ozil was very hit and miss um, so I still think he's still figuring out what he wants to do with this side and and often it's either the case of someone coming off the bench to rescue games or like Lucas Torreira would be that guy in the first few games or Danny Welbeck or Matteo Guendouzi um, so I still think until Christmas it's, it's going to be like this which is which is fine I mean it didn't happen for Klopp straight away at Liverpool it didn't happen for Mourinho straight away at United so or Pep even yeah. at City so uh, it's going to it's going to take a few months but for now we're in a good place and until something goes disastrously wrong I think he, we're quite happy to see him experiment yeah you mentioned Ramsey there um, I mean he's out of contract in the summer mm-hmm. he was offered a contract yep. the contract was withdrawn mm-hmm. he didn't know why apparently now he's been told that it's because well they just don't see him as part of the club's long term future mm-hmm. do you think he should be part of the long term future? He's a good player, right? I, I like Aaron Ramsey. Um, and if Arsene Wenger was still here, I would say yes. But in this system now, I don't think he suits what Emery wants in a midfielder. I And he's looking around and seeing Ozil's on a massively inflated wage because he essentially held the club to ransom mm. last, year, last year. Mkhitaryan is on big wages. Lacazette's on big wages. Aubameyang's on big wages. And he's probably thinking, I'm, I'm as good as these guys, so I deserve parity, which is more than fair enough. But to give this guy a four-year deal at 27, 28, when you're not really sure if he's in your best 11 would mm-hmm. be a mistake. So I think it's the right decision. But how it's come to this, this stage is a disaster. He should have been told in the summer, if you're going to sign, sign. If you don't, we'll sell you. Mm-hmm. And how we suddenly decided that he's not going to be... <laughs> 
in our plans three weeks into the season yeah. is, is terrible and it's been a big problem at Arsenal uh, for years now you saw with Van Persie one year on his contract went to United Theo Walcott one year on his contract mm. got a hugely inflated wage Alexis Sanchez you know everyone knows what happened there so hopefully now with a, a new leadership team at Arsenal this will be uh, the last major example of a of a player running down their deals because you have no leverage Yeah, the club has no leverage after that the player has everything they either get a a hugely inflated wage at the club they're at or they go and get a huge signing on fee somewhere else so and there'll be clubs in for him I just hope it's not in England because that would really uh, (laughs) annoy me yeah Chelsea or Man United I can see him at at Chelsea yeah um, because he would suit Sarri but hopefully Juve do their magic and take him (laughs) over there so they're on a free Liverpool have been getting results without playing particularly brilliantly lately. Do you think that's the mark of champions or a sign that maybe it's going to catch up with them eventually and they might slip? No, I think I think that's a good sign. Eventually it's going to click. I mean, Salah had a slow start, but he's sort of finding his way now. Manny always, always looks like he's going to score. Uh, the midfield looks to be kicking on. Wijnaldum has improved a lot. Milner has been consistent. I think what's impressed, impressed me the most about Liverpool is their defence. Joe Gomez and Van Dijk have been really good Alisson even though he hasn't had much to do has brought a bit more authority than you know than Carrius or Mignolet so I think that they're on par with City offensively and defensively is is, is a big thing for them because usually the defence is something you look at and be like this will hold them back with Matip and uh, you know Lovren but they seem to have clicked now and that's what I mean I said earlier that those are the two you know that will last the challenge I think all the, all the way um, and I think City have the edge just but I wouldn't rule them out mm. which pains me to say because <laughs> I think <laughs> I wouldn't hear the end of it if you want to leave but <laughs> so good speaking of Lovren he, um, he clarified that uh, comment about being the best defender in the world this week he said I didn't say that I said I'm one of the best defenders <laughs> in the world one of five maybe five he yeah. said I mean, I think that's still a bit of a stretch. Isn't a bit cocky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's quite admirable, really. I wish I could be like that. Yeah, Just ignore everything. You've got to be confident. You've got to believe in yourself, yeah. believe in yourself right? Yeah. Self-help said, books and all. He yeah. said, Sergio Ramos makes more mistakes than me, but nobody notices his mistakes. Well, I, that's I debatable. For that. and I yeah. uh, he people, does. people do know. He does screw up yeah, more yeah, than yeah, people yeah. do give him credit for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Manchester United are back on the straight and narrow again now, having beaten Everton at home last week. Do you think there's any sign that Mourinho might actually turn things around? or are these just mini revivals just sort of delaying the inevitable there well I mean I don't know I think Mourinho is just a volatile character I think when it's going well it's going great but when it's not there's potential for everything to explode and it nearly happened this year but they managed to salvage that result at Newcastle I think if they didn't win that game there would be big problems but he's I think he's been saved by funnily enough the player he's had a lot of trouble with Anthony Martial he's stepped up his game recently but I don't know I just you, you look at Man United and there's no there's no fear anymore which is really odd to say because Old Trafford is an amazing stadium they have all this history but mm. you know teams like Wolves and can go can go there and not just go toe to toe but dominate the game um, you know there's Lukaku's misfiring the defence is not stable at all. Pogba's very inconsistent. Matic looks a shadow of his former self. I just don't think... I think Mourinho on one hand is is being passed by, just in general, by the game. 
And I think United themselves need to look at themselves in a higher up level and figure out what they want because I don't think they're doing themselves any justice, you know, Woodward and I just think there's a lack of footballing ideas on the board. Mm-hmm. I think they're very commercial based, which, you know, they're still smashing everyone on that on that front. But I think I saw yesterday they had a, a washer and dryer partner so <laughs> that they were putting on Twitter, which is all great and, you know, well and good. Yeah. You know, you can sell a few washing machines, but when you've got Chris Chris Smalling and Phil Jones in defence, that's not going to mean much. So I just think there's a whole structure needed at the club that is just not there at the moment. And Mourinho's not a guy to build. He's a two or three year project kind of guy and you, you can see it now. It's the same everywhere he goes. So I think where they finish this season will be a big, a big thing because they can't afford to miss out on Europe. Mm. And even their Champions League fate uh, is not certain now I yeah. mean they still have to go to Juventus they still have to go to Valencia who haven't been that great but Mestalla is a difficult place to go mm-hmm. so you know it's a, it's a big few months for them for sure yeah I feel like the, the there is a level of toxicity between Mourinho and Man United at the moment mm-hmm. yeah and I don't think there's a way around it anymore it's uh, it's it's like a relationship between two people if you if you reach that level you just You should split apart. Just yeah, you cut your losses. I yeah, guess. it's it's the only way. But the thing is, um, this this Man United, as you said, uh, I I don't know what they want. And when it comes to football, mm-hmm. yeah, what is the idea? Do they have a project? Do they have a profile for for the next manager? They're an actual objective. Like, is it to win a title two or three years down the road? Is it to win it now? Yeah, or is Champions League good enough? Or being Europa League champions good enough? I mean, it shouldn't be. It's Man United. Precisely, that's, that's yeah. the thing. That's the whole but, point. but as you mentioned, Phil, the the fact that they still dominate the the market when it comes to merchandising and all that stuff, apparently it's good enough for them, which is mm-hmm. really really weird from the point of view of someone who watched Man United with some some shady teams doing pretty well uh, back in the days and they they won trophies in England they actually won trophies uh, in Europe and now um, the best thing they've done was Europa League I mean Sevilla won five of those right? Three in a row with that <laughs> Yeah so um, there's a lack of ambition in, in at Manchester United right now which is frankly disturbing mm-hmm. it's, I think that I think one of the issues here and one of the underlying issues with a lot of the franchises or sorry clubs being bought by franchise owners is that they operate under franchise rules and that usually is a very like long macro sort of like um, time warp where in American sports works marvelously because the worst team picks first in the draft And that kind of evens the odds a little bit for everybody, but that doesn't happen in football. It's, it's free market in, in Europe when it comes to trades. And um, when you operate in a, very com- in a very successful commercial club, as Man United is nowadays, you do realize that the priority is the number. It's not the player, it's not the title. Uh, and when you see that and you do understand where, like, where the owners come from, what the business model they run, um, well, you see the Boston Red Sox, for instance. You see it in hockey all the time. You see it in the NFL all the time. It's franchises that turn around but are always constantly in, in the green, in the black numbers, because they're doing well commercially and they have a budget they can you know, fulfill and they can do whatever they want with that budget, albeit under a certain uh, you know, salary cap, depending on the league. Baseball doesn't have one, for instance. But uh, when you translate that to football, where there is no dynamic, as there is in the United States, there's no five-year cycle sort of thing. It's a very year-on-year sort of project or results are expected to be year on year on. Uh, it's, it's very difficult to, to create this, what Americans call a dynasty, which is a dominating team as Man City have, 
or as Liverpool are trying to start building or what Bayern do in Germany, Madrid and Bars have done in Spain throughout all history. It's really tough. And I don't think they have the understanding of that, of exactly understanding how to balance the commercial aspect of it or the financial model behind it with the sporting requirement that football has that American sports don't have, which is a year on success because you do miss out on tournaments that Americans don't have. Americans have one league and one league only. You have the playoffs, maybe, but that's about it. Uh, here, you have to qualify for Champions League. In, in default, or other ways, you have to qualify for Europa League. Plus, in England, you have two cups to, to mind. It's it's a different understanding once you have, uh, you know, to feel 30 players and play, I don't know, what, 60, 70 games a season. It's 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 a whole different ballpark. It really is. And I don't know, being having good numbers and selling more jerseys isn't a guarantee of success, as we're seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, top four teams in, in the world selling jerseys are, what, Man United, Bayern, Madrid, they're all in crisis. I mean, it, it's not a straight equivalency. I mean, mm-hmm. it's there is no co- correlation to one another. It's more money doesn't mean more results. It helps, obviously, but it's not a guarantee, as it is in America. More money, more problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy who does sell a lot of jerseys is Paul Pogba. What did you make of his penalty at the weekend, Ray? Did you see that? 26 steps. God, that was grueling. Uh, yeah, I thought so. my TV had, like, frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, as as a fan, a football fan, I get really annoying, uh, annoyed every time I see someone taking penalties like that. I just want just to run to the ball, just smash it, just be happy. Uh, don't make anyone suffer. Uh, like everyone was suffering from from that. I'm not a Man United fan, and I was just looking at it. And I was just thinking, oh, just. Just Agonizing, do it. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> and he actually missed as well, which is yeah. Yeah. Got, got lucky there, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I saw a side-by-side comparison to the Usain with Bolt. Usain Bolt, Bolt run. Usain Bolt ran yeah. 100 meters quicker than Pogba got to the ball. I mean, you can understand a starter penalty, but what Dre said, just, just walk up properly and hit it hard into the corner. You don't need to take yeah. 50 steps. Yeah, no know. need to clown about but it. This is, this is also part of the persona. Of course. Yeah, it's, of course. it's part of the, of, of the image that yeah. Pogba uh, built over the, the past years. And it's, it's, it's stylish. It's I mean, cool. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be... It's going to go viral. It's going to yeah. go viral. It's yeah. going to be trending everywhere. And he knows that, which is, uh, from the point of view of a manager, imagine that you, you point out, pull back, just take it, just do it. And, you, and then you see that, you think, oh, Jesus. <laughs> is, it, is it me? Or that sounds like a grandpa when I think about the fact that all the new up and rising stars are just... Childs at play, like Neymar's the same thing. They're way too concerned with, with social what, media. Yeah, what the, what the with likes, what the like number is, or how many the, hits it's gonna get with with their image. Yeah, yeah, and they're so self-absorbed, and it's, it's really it's annoying. It's a two thing because they want to be uh, liked by everyone. They want to be hip and cool, but at the, but same, at the time, same time, they know that if you want to make it these days, commercial, not not only on in football, but also if you want to make it like commercially, you need to be the face of stuff. In general, it's about the brand. Isn't it's it? about mm-hmm. the brand think, the building because they also know that the moment they they're gonna stop playing football, they're a brand, yeah. mm-hmm. and they can build an empire from a from being that, yeah. a brand. Yeah, yeah but Rivaldo's a brand still. He's like forty five, and like you see him here and there, and he was not clowning around. I mean, yeah, I think the problem time, is it was a different time, different times, different yeah. place, definitely. But definitely, I think it's more important to be a meme than it is to be champion nowadays for the, for these kids, <laughs> and that's very very troublesome. I think. Hmm. 
Well, before we move away from the Premier League, it'd be remiss of us not to mention the tragic events which occurred in Leicester on Saturday. Vichai Srivadana Prava was, by all accounts, a great owner, a very generous man. I'd just like to offer our deepest condolences to the families of all those who lost their lives in that terrible tragedy, uh, along with everyone associated with Leicester City, and also our best wishes to former England manager Glenn Hoddle, who was taken ill on Saturday, but thankfully now appears to be on the mend. Uh, now, Danny, I just want to touch briefly uh, base with Bayern. Um, they've been in a bit of a crisis this season, but things haven't been... Uh, been getting a bit better lately is that fair to say eh, result wise maybe yeah. it's, still, it's, been, it's still been shady performances last night for instance they barely made it through 2-1 with a 4th league division team I mean it's, it's <laughs> not necessarily a, a muster performance there's 7 players currently injured that also tells you that the rotation system for Kovacs which is you know part of like the of one of his cornerstones uh, is going to be in trouble the whole season if that's part of the thing the squad the, the whole transfer politics was a mess they sold Bernatu okay fine He's not a good fullback, but you didn't buy anyone to replace him. Alaba has always been in, uh, pr- uh, prone to injury. Boateng and Hummels as well, so Alaba always kind of filled in as a centre back. Now you have no one there. You have players like Goretzka, like who are full-on midfielders, have no idea what it is like to defend back there, playing up in the fullback positions. He's injured now as well. Or was injured for a little bit. Thiago was injured now. Hamas had a cold just now. Like the more you you, <laughs> de- you delve into Bayern, you do realize that everything is working because of who they are, not what they're doing. I mean, uh, the coach is a great coach. I mean, Kovacs, I mean, I mean, knock on wood if you'd like to have a coach like that. I mean, but uh, it's just really tough to see him like getting out of this alive. Uh, it's a tough situation for a team, a team that's doing, I think, everything in their power to tank. Even the president and, and club owner, well, club president and club whatever the hell, um, CEO and Huynes in Romania, you know who I mean. <laughs> the, the whole press conference issue and, and the way they're dealing with, with criticism, like you can tell stuff is really wrong inside the club. It's uh, really hard because I always looked at, at Bayern as they one, ran one things of the, smoothly. One yeah. of the most effective clubs in the world. And now it doesn't look really professional what they've been doing in the last couple of seasons. Yeah, and this, this one in season particular, in particular. It's, it's very, very worrisome. And uh, this season around, there's no Heinkes to come and save the day. I mean, like we, we already burned that card, you know, it's, it's done. We only had one of those. Mm. Uh, what's the what's the plan B? I guess just let Dortmund win because I'm really scared, honestly, for the, the classicer coming up because there's an actual side now in Dortmund mm. that are able to dominate not only Bayern, but I mean like Pep Guardiola Bayern that would yeah. never lose a game against those guys. When is that? The uh, I think it's not this weekend, but the next. Oh, lovely! Yeah, it's two it's two fixtures from away. It's two fixtures away. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 troublesome to put it lightly. I think. Yeah. Well, you're a Bayern sympathizer. Yeah, uh, sure. We've had our colleague Toby on the show before. He's uh, also a Bayern fan, and he said he hopes they don't win the league this season to keep things interesting. Are you from the same school of thought as that? Uh, it's a weird, it's an odd position to be in, but it's one I share as well because I not only care about my club, but I care <laughs> about a weird the, league. You care about <laughs> yeah, you care about that league. You, you care about the league in the end. And it's a nice. Not, not many people are into the Bundesliga, but it's a really nice tournament for those who are really into it mm. and to see a team dominate. For the first time in history, a tournament that is historically not hard to tame, uh, it did you know knock the air out of it a little bit. For fi- finally, unfortunately, uh, Dortmund have again a really good side. Leverkusen are kind of reviving. Last night they beat five 0 Gladbach at Gladbach. Uh, Schalke could do something interesting if they fucking fire Tedesco or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a league that is finally coming back to its senses, and you do see a lot of projects and a lot of of the youth finally getting the minutes and the results they needed, the form they they, they were they're aiming at. Do you think so, that if Bayern don't win the league this season, they they're actually going to change something in their structure? 
I the think future? they have to for a simple reason. Robbery is 34-35. Right. I'm talking uh, about the structure, not, oh, not, like the, not the, the, the club. players themselves. Well, Zali Hamid's job's also on the line. I mean, they have a new sporting manager. Co is kind of under the ropes because not many people talk about that. He kind of has gone through the motions and they're doing the whole bringing in former players as part of the board of directors, which is really nice and I do appreciate it. But if the guy doesn't cut the mustard, he doesn't cut the mustard, does he? Uh, it happened uh, with Nelinga a couple of years ago as well. He has his tenure sucked. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time, arguably won't be the last. Uh, so yeah, I think of the season, depending on how it goes, I don't think Bayern will miss the Champions League at all. But a third, fourth place would be embarrassing for this side. And uh, I think Sally Hamasic, along with Kovac, would be the guys to blame, definitely. Do you think there's any truth to these rumours that Hamas Rodriguez could be off to Juventus? I hope so. I mean, if there's a player I think that's over, over, you know, people just value him more than he's actually worth it, it it's him. I mean, Bayern, he's not... He, he helps he, and he's a good player when he's on pitch you do notice he's there but he's injured half the time he plays regular half of the other games he does play so is he's good one every four games uh, Bayern are sorry but Bayern have a different standard these are current and have always been semi-finalists in the past six, seven seasons so I don't see uh, I don't see him sticking around I, I hope it doesn't I mean I'd much rather have an Eriksen honestly than I would James it's Andy a bit frustrating to see James because um, he, he basically is the same player he was five years ago but we the ego is bigger. But the ego is bigger. That's the only difference. Yeah. And it's been troublesome. I mean, seeing a guy that's been in the club for less than a season or about a season storm out because they drew a game. Who does he think he is? I mean, he's not like top hierarchy. Like he's not. Like I understand he wants minutes. All players want minutes, especially players like Hamas that you know are you know the biggest face in Colombian football without a doubt. A guy that comes from Real Madrid also gives him you know that sort of like lineage that you know entitles him to certain things. But uh, like I don't see a Thomas Müller who's been benched for the last three games, mind you, uh, complaining as much as he has. And Müller arguably maybe not performing as well right now, but he does have maybe the authority in the in the dressing room to be a bit more spoiled than Hamas has. And uh, I don't know, it really does bother me a little bit. That and Lewandowski also being a bit of a you know, a bit arrogant with, with the way of dealing with a, with a club, always pushing for a move, then pulling back and, you know, the whole... It's just it's, it's really frustrating as a fan to see that many of your favorite players or many of your most important players, they're just, you know, they're being dicks to the club. And it's <laughs> no, just, there's no other way to put it. And no it's heroes. really sad. No heroes. <laughs> no heroes, just yeah. villains, man. And it's not, it's not a good place to be in right now. <laughs> uh, well, over in South America, we now know, or at least we think we know, who will contest the final of this year's Copa Libertadores. <laughs> and it's going to be an Argentina Super Classico, Boca Juniors versus River Plate. It's exciting, isn't it? It's as good as South American football gets, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, River came from behind to beat Gremio in the second leg of the semi-final, but there was a bit of controversy, VAR controversy. Is to that right? put it lightly, there was a 14-minute stoppage time in the second half. Uh, the referee <laughs> called the penalty kick that the linesman had missed. Um, he was right. I mean, once yeah. you see the play in slow motion, you realize that there is a ball interference with the hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it was really controversial. Uh, the whole, the demeanor of, of Rivers coach, Marcelo Gallardo, who was suspended up in the bleachers. He was radioing his way back, like his commands down to his, uh, <laughs> his training staff. In, the mid- in halftime, he walked into the dressing room, which is forbidden. Um, as it is in UEFA, I mean, uh, Ramos got slack for that when he did it in the and final. And the worst part is that he, he admitted. And, yeah, and the and thing is, that. like, right, just after the game, like, I he had the balls to go on camera. He's like, <laughs> I don't regret it. If my team needed me, I would do it again. You might miss the final. So I would do it again, dude. I mean, this is the way it worked. So, yeah, I mean, now, he, ironically, the guy that revived River and brought them to two, champ- to, to well, uh, three Libertadores finals. It's the third one. Uh, yeah, uh, hopefully the charm for them. Well, not hopefully, but anyhow. Um, yeah, ironically, it would be him that might cost uh, River the final. It's over VAR and over, well, 
being spoiled more than anything. So being, Gremio are going to repeal against... They have uh, already. They have. Uh, Comey World yesterday opened an, uh, an investigation on whether or not Gallardo violated the rule. But, you know, you have evidence, literal evidence of the guy saying, yeah, I did it. I, will, I don't regret it. Yeah, you're... You're done and dusted. Yeah, worst case scenario, they can lose the game uh, for three nil. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. What? What? Suppose what I've heard that might happen is that the Gremio won't be given the game. Gallardo will be given the final suspension, like he'll be given both matches suspended, and River will be fined. Which in South America is kind of a big issue because you know money isn't that uh, as dominant as it is in Europe. So a, a fine down there kind of hurts a little bit, even if you're one of the big mm. boys. Doesn't help Gremio that though, does it really? Nah, I think they, they they will feel cheated, but you know it's it's Comebol in the mm. end. It's it's the oh, same old story. They're not going to be happy. The Brazilian is post- anyone happy with Comebol? Andre, <laughs> we're always miserable. We Brazilian, hate him. Brazilian clubs have been complaining a lot about yeah, bias and yeah. about bias yeah. on on the Comebol over the past and arguably three, so. Four years. I mean, arguably so. So if this um, happens and and they just find the club and and get River. In the final, it's going to be massive. Yes, but now if you look at it from Comebol's perspective, it makes sense not to uh, call off. From the business perspective? Well, from Comebol as a federation, not put the rules aside. Like you're about to have the biggest fixture, one of the biggest fixtures in Latin American football yeah. to be your main course for your club competition. Two games, mind you. Uh, this is probably one of the few times Europe is going to be keen on seeing what's going to happen. And that doesn't come around along. America might be interested in, I mean, the United States, not Latin America, but you know, United yeah. States might be interested as well. Like you finally have a game that could potentially rate among the billions. I mean, it's, it's, it's Super Bowl material here. I mean, and they need that exposure. They need the money. They need the, the brand because they've the, always been like the underdog to the Champions League. And uh, I think in the, in the end, that will weigh more than justice. Unfortunately, because you know Latin America is Latin America, as and it is. the time time is going to change. Oh yeah, because that's the other thing. So so the, the fun final, fact the final is going to be <laughs> is going to be played at a week uh, a week earlier. Yeah, because the the idea is yeah. well the idea no, the second leg of the final is supposed to be on the twenty eighth, but Buenos Aires is hosting the G twenty summit this year on the twenty right. ninth. So the police have already said like no, we don't have enough man, like manpower to like both to you know, safeguard twenty you know world mm-hmm. figures plus the Super Clasico. So yeah. they're gonna have to bring it a, a week shorter, which scrambles the whole Superliga calendar. It puts everyone to run basically. So it's a two-legged final. Yeah, oh, right. it's the last one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's the last one's going to be that way. Yeah, next right. season's going to be just uh, one neutral in neutral venue. ground, yeah. which is not bad, but you know, it definitely takes the air out. I mean, it doesn't work that well with, in South America, well, I'd I mean, say. It works in Europe because, you know, Europe is a tad smaller than it and is. And it's easy to travel around. It's not that easy to do it in, <laughs> in, um, in South America. And, and I think it's going to be in Peru, right? In, uh, it's a, yeah, well, they, they, it was, I think it is Peru. It's either Peru or, wasn't it Chile? Anyhow, I don't know. I think it's going to be Peru. Well, yeah. Anyhow, put it like to, little, to give you a fun fact. I'm Caracas, where I'm from, is mm-hmm. closer to Madrid than it is to Buenos Aires. Really? Yeah. So uh, let's put that in perspective. Yeah. What travel is like in South America? Well, I spent 27 hours on a bus in Chile, so I know all about it. As well. <laughs> <laughs> don't envy so, you, man. <laughs> so let's assume it is Boca River in yeah. the final. Who would your money be on? Who would I want? Who's your money on? Oh, oh my money on. Yeah. Oh, my money on would be. I, I want Boca, but I think River are going to take it. Uh, in, in one game, it would be Boca. On a series, it's River. Yeah. They're amazing at two, mind games. On two games, I can see River. And, you know, the whole momentum River's built upon. Like, they won the, 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 the Argentina Super Cup just now against Boca, 2-0 in March. Uh, they beat them just now in the league. Uh, they're doing rather well. Like, you see them really focused and determined. Boca have been kind of in shambles, like, you know, mentally and, and form-wise, it's suffered a little bit due to that but I don't know I think it's going to be a really even contest a violent one even because these two guys don't like each other at all but uh, 
I think River in 180 minutes definitely there's um, a couple of uh, good players on both sides at least who would you there are a lot of good players players. (laughs) who would you recommend that we we look out for River probably Piti Piti Martinez Martinez in, in Palacios Piti Martinez and Palacios are yeah, really I watched, good. I watched, I watched the last game and uh, it was. Well, what Scoco's doing is also interesting. Borre has, has been amazing as well. Uh, yeah. Boca side, well, Benedetto's played 45 minutes in the past two games, scored three times. Benedetto is, looks like he's, he's made for He was made for this. He's made for this. Like, shit. All, he's on the amazing. big games, he always shows up. He, Rossi's been surprisingly good as well, like even with, uh, with the injury of, the, of, of Marchesin. Uh, hey, Pavon Pavon's yeah. been amazing uh, I mean it's, it's a really interesting team Avila who's surprisingly like uh, like your like your fourth option striker he scored the opening goal the opening goal for Boca last night I mean he's been solid hey, it's, don't, it's forget, been don't forget Armani that basically oh well yeah Armani obviously Armani kept yeah. uh, River in, uh, in the game for he's a the trooper goal, the goalkeeper yeah, yeah the goalkeeper, Armani yeah. Franco Armani is I think that is true I think he's going to be more than relevant in the final like he's really really good when it comes down and to and he's pressure. also one of those guys that always shows up in the big games he already won Libertadores yeah. of Atletico Nacional in Colombia so <laughs> exactly. he knows what it takes and uh, I know it's, it's going to be a really really good game you mentioned the river midfielder Ezequiel Palacios there yeah. he's been linked with Real Madrid this week is there? Uh, there was that, that rumor yeah, but uh, River said that they're, they're not negotiating the player and they're now uh, interest, now, interested in, in doing it yeah. it has a release clause of 15 million which for uh, any uh, top club in Europe is like peanuts peanuts yeah. it's nothing <laughs> um, there was the rumor that Real Madrid would offer actually uh, 15 million and plus 5 which is something that they sometimes do you know because they're cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well they did it for Gago with Boca I, mean, I remember that like, yeah they Gago's did. thing was 7 million plus 5 over the top like the selling they did price. that with Odriazola Odriazola as well yeah, yeah. That. Mm-hmm. So, like I keep the change so I it's like, it's like a, get yourself something nice it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a charm move they do quite often uh, but I was really impressed with uh, with Palacios yeah. uh, I really I really liked him he's, he's very combative but not too aggressive which is something that you don't often get from an Argentinian player. Yeah, one thing that is also really quick to mention, uh, I, won't, I won't take long with this, River have consistently lost every season a key player. They lost Drusi to Zenit St. Petersburg, they lost Lucas Alario to Bayer Leverkusen, uh, they lost Sarachi, who was one of the most promising fullbacks in Argentinian, well, Uruguayan slash Argentinian football. Taliafico as well, right? Taliafico Ajax. is in Ajax also now, uh, and now you might lose Palacios, and still the team performs like And they're like going to lose Piti Martinez. Piti's yeah. also, yeah, Piti's going to leave as well, but the uh, thing is that the team always figures out how to like fill the gaps with players that academy is amazing that helps a bit yeah it doesn't hurt does it I mean (laughs) Reaver are really good at that and you have to give them credit for that in spite of the fact that I'd rather Boca win the thing it's really surprising to see how they just produce talent and keep producing talent and keep winning with that with the talent they produce it's it's really remarkable Mm. Well, just before we go, the um, the new football manager game is out this week, I believe. I was just <laughs> curious as to whether any of you will be dipping your toes in the shark infested water that is that game this week. It's so dangerous. <laughs> I already bought the I already bought the thing. Did you? you already you bought it? it? Yeah. I regret it. I like I literally hit the purchase button and I was like, why am I doing this? Are you playing the better version or or? I haven't started yet. I'm scared of starting because oh. I know it's done for me, man. I mean. Uh, <laughs> Christ, why did I do that to myself? But yeah, I'm gonna play it, so I'll let you know all about it once I'm, you know, you know, knee deep in water. But uh, by you, Phil, are you? Uh, getting oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm yeah. ready for my Celta career. Celta. Yeah, yeah. Getting Celta. Y- getting Yago Aspas out. <laughs> <laughs> Get a nice. Uh, Make Celta great again. Nice yeah. bit of funding and bring in any uh, hidden gem I can find. That's the best bit, though. Yeah, it's yeah, a fun yeah. finding like the the youngsters and the gems, and then you know do and do it. But it is dangerous. Sometimes it's, you can be playing for like three hours and not even realize. It's mm. addictive. That's um, the thing. Yeah. So 
there is a caution to be had, but I didn't buy the last one, so I thought I'd splash out this year. Yeah, I'm gonna keep my hands off it for for a while because I, <laughs> I wanna I wanna still have like a social life. And be <laughs> yeah, I have my girlfriend. She kind of yeah, likes exactly. me a little bit. Don't want to lose it's, that. I don't. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole this time. <laughs> I nearly failed my degree because of football manager. <laughs> I don't want to lose my job because of it. <laughs> Well, that's it for today. Thank you to my guests, Andre, Phil, and Danny. Thank you to you for listening at home and get your questions into us before next week to podcast at onefootball.com and we'll see you then.